Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The core of healing is always Jesus. Remember that. The person that you want to touch is not an elder, it's not a pastor, it's not a TV guy that says he's a healer. The person you want to touch is Jesus. Jesus is the healer. It isn't the olive oil when you're anointed with oil, as James says. It's Jesus. Having the faith and courage to set aside our pride and call out to Jesus often comes in times of great desperation. Unfortunately, there are those who would seek to capitalize on the desperation of others, whether it's for financial gain or notoriety. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark teaches us about the core source of the answer to our prayers, the living Son of God. In our study, we learn that it's not through oils, rituals, or clergy, but by the grace and mercy of Christ alone that our needs are met. If you have a need that no one can meet, all you need to do is simply call out to Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark as he continues his message entitled, Impossible is an Oxymoron. A woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. Now, instead of a sudden storm like Jairus' daughter, one morning she's fine, the next morning she's at death's door, this woman had been struggling for 12 years. Now, again, those of us that are guys, we don't understand, but women understand. Women were designed for the normal menstrual flow and all of those things that take place for women to have children. Well, something had gone wrong. We don't know specifically the, the, the problem, but probably uterine in nature. And month after month, and we don't know if it's every day, but most days she's bleeding. What would that cause her in her life? Would it affect anything? Well, number one, sexually, she wouldn't be able to bear children anymore. There'd be no intimacy probably with her husband, and many commentators even believe that probably her husband has left now. But more importantly than that, spiritually, according to Leviticus, a woman during that time of bleeding is unclean. And so she couldn't go to the synagogue. Anyone she touched would be unclean. Well, for those few days a month, that's one thing, but for every day for 12 years? She became an outcast. This is a small town. Everywhere she goes, she has to be careful not to touch people because if she touches them, then they're unclean. They have to go home. They have to bathe. They have to change clothes. They're not allowed to go to the synagogue. 
But more importantly than all of that, that physical part, she couldn't worship God in the synagogue. But really, she probably never felt like she wanted to. Why? Well, you know what blood is. It's the life force in our lives. That blood has, well, red blood cells that attach the hemoglobin to it. And that, that carries the oxygen that gives us energy. So this woman, well, she's always tired. She never feels good. Well, she makes her way to Jesus. She's trying to touch the edge of his garment or the tassels. She had an impossible situation, but she actually had faith that Jesus could cure her. We don't know where the faith came from, but she had it. Look at verse 21. She said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me give you an example today. In Jesus' time, the men would wear different kind of robes and things, and of course the, the holy men would wear different things. And on the bottom of their robes would be these tassels, usually four on a robe, as you see there, these tassels. The little knots that you see were a reminder to the Jews when they looked at it that that was the word of God. They would be reminded of the word of God. Well, this was all good and this was useful. But over time, tradition slash superstition entered in. So by the time of Jesus, many Jewish people felt this, that a holy man or a rabbi, wearing his normal clothes, all you would have to do is touch the hem of his garment, the tassel. If you could just touch that, you would be healed. And so that tradition superstition became an active part of people's lives. Notice what the woman says to herself, if I can only get to Jesus and touch the the hem of his garment. See, the healing, she believed, was here. Well, what kind of faith is that? Well, it's really imperfect faith. Because you're going to see in a moment, touching this doesn't heal anybody. The core of healing is always Jesus. Remember that. The person that you want to touch is not an elder. It's not a pastor. It's not a TV guy that says he's a healer. The person you want to touch is Jesus. Jesus is the healer. It isn't the olive oil when you're anointed with oil, as James says. It's Jesus. And so Jesus is going to clarify this imperfect faith. But she's mixed the good with that which isn't exactly right. But you know what's going to be incredible? Jesus is going to honor that mixed up faith. I love it. How many of you here this morning have perfect faith? None? None of us. So here's what you want to write. Be encouraged. Jesus even honors imperfect faith. That encourages me. Someone who says, believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. It's hard for us. Well, as she's praying this prayer and she reaches out, Matthew 22 reads like this. 
Jesus turned and saw her. Now, why do you think he did that? Do you think that when she saw this, watch me, she went, woof, wrapped it right off of him? No, she would have just what? Touched it. Now, with masses of people around you, would you have felt that? You'd have never felt it. But Jesus, it says, turned and saw her. Notice what he said to her. Take heart, daughter. My faith has healed you. Is that what it says? Whose faith? Faith of who? The faith of the woman. Her faith, what kind of faith did she have? Imperfect faith. She mixed it with superstition. Her faith, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from when? That moment, instantly. How is that possible? Only God. Only God. Actually, Mark says, notice, I have it for you in the At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Not from the tassel, but from who? From Jesus. At that moment, the power of God, faith got to Jesus. And it wasn't this. When his power went out, he knew somebody had reached forth in faith. And that's why he says to her, notice, who touched my clothes? Now here's the disciples. They're learners. They're trying to get this. I'm sure Peter said this next part. (laughs) Peter says, okay, Jesus, give us a little clue here. We're about 50 people around us right now. In the last two minutes, 30 of those people have rubbed up against you. Now, why in the world are you asking who touched you? We've all touched you. Notice, you see the people crying around you as the disciples answered. And yet you ask who touched you. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. You see, there's a touching and then there's a touching. Our churches today are filled with people that are touching God. They're in their seat. But they haven't touched God. Because what Jesus is talking about here, well, simply this. It's the spirit world. The disciples are only thinking one way. Physically. Who touched you? Who rubbed up against you? What? What? Jesus said, no, no, no. It's not physical. It's spiritual. Do you understand this morning that the real you is spiritual? One day your body will be gone. Your spirit will live in heaven or in hell. That's the real you. That's where the impossible things are done. It's the spirit world. When you come to this church or any church, Jesus taught us when we come to church, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you might be sitting out there today and cool service. And you're in the physical. Or some of you may not be whistling. You may be sleeping or whatever. You're definitely in the flesh. But see, you have to awaken and go, whoa, God's trying to say something to me. He is. He's speaking volumes to you right now in your spirit. That's what Jesus is trying to say. So the disciples are here and going, what world are you talking about? Jesus is going to say to them, I'm sure later in a private thing. The spiritual world is real, guys. And power just went out from me. It's that world I want you to focus on. You see, as Christians even, very often, all we do is walk by sight. 
But we're supposed to be walking by faith. Our imperfect faith needs to grow. Well, why did Jesus ask who touched me? Why does he care? The woman is healed. Two reasons. If the woman goes through and she probably wants to sneak away and just go back, if she does that and the first person she bumps up against knows her, and they would have in this small community, what are they going to say to her? Oh, thanks a lot. You just rubbed up against me, now I'm unclean. And she's going to say, no, 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 I've just been healed. I touched the hem of his garment. Yeah, right. They're not going to believe her. I mean, could she prove it? There's no way to prove it. You can't prove something like that. Later, she could prove it. Hemoglobin went from 4 to 10 to 12. But she couldn't prove it now. So Jesus wants her back so that he can say to the town, you know the lady, you know her name that you've rejected, that you stay away from, that you don't want to have anything to do with? She's clean. Her faith made her whole. First reason. But the second reason Jesus wanted to see her was to correct her doctrine. See, her doctrine, when she goes home, if Jesus didn't stop her, what's she going to say? She runs across a neighbor who has a need. She's going to say, find Jesus and just touch the hem of his garment because all you have to do is touch it. Ooh, touch it. See, we see that today in our world with all kinds of icons and all kinds of stuff. You just have to go there. If you just touch it, no, it isn't an icon. It's a live God. So Jesus is going to what? He's going to correct her and he's going to say, no, power went out from me. It had nothing to do with that. Remember that this morning. We can be kind of superstitious ourselves. We can kind of think even, some of you are like that. And it's okay because we were all trained. Like the, like the altar's like special. The altar's an altar. The church is the church. It's Jesus that we want to focus on. Nothing wrong with being quiet as we are in here and listening and doing all those things. But it's, it's the spirit part of us that God was going to correct. So he does that. Now, during this delay, the disciples are getting anxious. Jesus, you're touching this woman, but Jairus' daughter came first. You're supposed to go. Now, what happens here? Well, while Jesus is gone, ministering to this lady... The servants from Jairus' home come, and here's what they say. Uh, There's no use coming. Your daughter is dead. Now, how would you respond to that? Here's Jairus. The disciples are probably saying under their breath, See, Jesus, you could have taken care of this lady. I mean, it's been 12 years. You take care of her anytime. This 12-year-old is gone. Gone. Now, what's going to happen with that? Watch this. Verse 36 in Mark, you'll see it. Here's how Jesus responds. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid. You believe. Just believe. What does that mean? You see, sometimes we just have to ignore people and listen to God. Sometimes even well-meaning people can stir up fear in our hearts. And fear always destroys faith. You see, sometimes God just says to us, I'm going to do this in your life. And you share that with a friend and they go, oh yeah, right. Or you have a vision and God ministers to you and all kind of neat things are going to take place. And and you believe that's going to happen and God spoke to you. Now it has to be in the word. And you tell somebody else and they're going to go, no, that's never going to happen. Well, Max Rogato has a great statement. He says this, sometimes faith begins by stuffing your ears with cotton. And what does that mean? Well, Jesus is going to say to Jairus, 
You know, your servants say, don't come, she's dead, it's no use, it's over, it's finished, it's done, it's finished. Jesus is going to say to Jairus, put some cotton in your ears. Don't listen to those guys. I'm going to go and she's going to be healed. Now, they'd never seen a healing before. They never saw anybody raised from the dead before. This is all brand new. I read this statement and I, as, as you see this, you look at it and you go, well, what should I do with that? Well, you should do the same thing. There's going to be times in your life you just have to put some cotton in your ears. And you have to believe God. And you have to wait for something that's very hard, his timing. Notice this. God is never early and God is never late. I'm sure the disciples are saying, Jesus, you blew it. You're late. Now you're too late. But he wasn't too late. He wasn't too late at all. You might be out there this morning and you're impatient. We all are. You see, to me, I wish God was always early. When I have a need, when I have something done, and when I think God's going to do it this way, I, I wish he was early. He's never early. In fact, to me, he's always late. How about you? Some of you this morning are like, okay, you promised. Where are you? He's never early. He's never late. He's right on time. So the longer I live, the more I understand that, the more I have to trust. Just relax this morning. God's timing's perfect. Keep praying. Keep trusting. The miracle... Oh, it's on the way. So what does Jairus do? He, he does that. He puts cotton in his ears, and they just begin walking to the home. Now, when they walk to a, a home, it's different than in our days. You know, today, the last time you were in a, a funeral home, what was, the, what was it like inside the funeral home? Tell me. Shh, very quiet, very sedate, that horrible organ music in the background, and you know, there's mourning and it's hard. It's very difficult. Well, that was very different in the days of Jesus. We read verse 23. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd. You see, the, the Jews, well, they had a different way to look at death. Number one, there were paid mourners who would come. And notice they're already at work when Jesus gets there. She's dead. They're weeping, they're wailing, they're singing, they're playing flutes. If you were a flute person, you made big bucks because you went to all the, and they're clapping their hands, oh, and they're going through all of this emotion. Very loud compared to the way we do things today. Well, when Jesus sees this, by the way, if you were Jairus, and you just heard Jesus say, don't believe them, or it's going to be fine. If you're Jairus and, and you're walking toward your home and pretty soon, as you're getting around the corner, you hear these mourners. What's, what's happening to your faith? I'm being drained right out. I'm thinking, how is this going to work? I mean, Jesus said it's going to be okay, but here's the mourners. And there was many of them because he was rich. They're all out there. They're making all this noise. Jesus gets there and these mourners are, are basically saying to him, why are you doing here? You can't do anything. It's, it's over. It's, it's, it's impossible. Well, look what Jesus says in verse 24. He says to the mourners, uh, short work day. You're only going to get paid for half a day. Go home. Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. Spiritual term meaning spiritually dead. She is physically dead. She is gone. 
Same with Lazarus. Jesus would use the same terms. Dr. Luke tells us in his gospel that she was really dead exactly, and he was the doctor. When the servants came and said she was dead, she was dead. The mourners prove it. You'll see later that Jesus proves it as well. When Jesus said for the mourners to leave, how did they react? Look at the end of verse 24. But they what at him? They laughed at him. Next step you want to write. When you step out in faith, expect people to laugh. You see, most people walk and live by sight more than faith and belief. When we tell people about heaven or hell or changed lives or people being delivered from cancer, marriages being restored, people cured of addictions, all of those things, well, the world laughs. But I want to tell you today, don't focus on those who laugh. You just keep doing what God called you to do. Let me ask you to write the second thing down. Don't get upset. A changed life proves God is real. A changed life proves God is real. Michael Levine says this, A pessimist is someone who complains about the noise when opportunity knocks. Let that soak in for a moment. A pessimist is someone who complains about the noise when opportunity knocks. By and large, I try to stay around people that are optimistic, that look at life positively. Because if I hang with people that are pessimists, you know what happens to me? It rubs off on me. Because my sin nature, your sin nature, is kind of negative. I look at that, that can't ever be done. That won't work. That'll never happen. And you hang around those people enough, and you know what? You, you sound just like them. And we become like them. Jesus says to those pessimists, get out of the room. I don't want you around here. So there's times in your life that God's going to call you to do some things. And you, you just have to put cotton in your ears. People are going to laugh at you. They're going to make fun of you. It's okay. If God said it and it's provable in his word, he's going to do it. You just wait. And when it happens, don't laugh back. I tell you how. I tell you how. Hey, half the time you didn't believe it. Right? I remember when we bought this land. There's nothing here but cows. I'm not a farmer. We walk in this place and cows and God had just said, this is where you're coming, this is where you're going to be. And there's nothing around. Uh, today, there's just a couple homes around. Thousands more getting ready to be built. This road's eventually going to go to six lanes. We just bought more land. We're working on more. Well, did God know that way back 12 years ago before? You know, we only bought this like eight or nine years, seven years ago or something. Did he know about it? Absolutely. People laugh, go, Minton, West Melbourne. That's where that old saloon is there on five, whatever, out there. And then you're going to play honky-tonk music or whatever in this place. But see, you have to just what? You just have to believe. With all the different religions and superstitions that have formed over time, it's unfortunately easy for false doctrines or misinterpretations to develop. One such misunderstanding is the source of healing and provision. Today in our study entitled, Impossible is an Oxymoron, Pastor Mark reminded us that there's only one source for healing and provision. That source is the one and only Son of God, Jesus. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. 
Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Those who are often suspicious, doubtful, or just flat out opposed to a metaphysical reality are usually the first in line to mock or ridicule those of the faith. This, of course, leads to challenge and discouragement when it comes to times of both trial and praise in our walk with the Lord. In our next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will encourage us to remain steadfast in our faith, no matter how much the world seeks to mock us. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.